Hello, exhausted and disgruntled cultural consumers, and welcome to episode one of the Bad Things podcast, where we are given lemons and attempt to make slightly less bitter lemons. My name is Nathan Packham, and I'm joined today by my co-host and editor extraordinaire in this miserable venture, Jacob Simmons. How you doing, Jacob? I'm doing well, thank you, Nathan. Thank you for inviting me along on this journey of shit. This is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. We both love terrible things, so I'm very excited to get going with this. Why do you love terrible things so much? Because I know why I love terrible things so much. Because they've just brought me so much joy in my life, like it, <laughs> and like an, an equal amount of joy as I would get from something that was good. So I think it's a very it's a very different kind of joy. It's a very mm. it, it, it's nice to just appreciate just how much effort something has has gone into something for it to turn out just utterly, utterly awful. And I I love that, the cynical side of me. Yeah, I, I think the best analogy I can give is, like, the performances of the England football team. Like, <laughs> I, I, I want them to do well, but at the same time, the moments where they don't do well are so iconic. Oh, yeah. That, like, it's almost worth them not doing well for... Oh, yeah. A, a, like, I, it, it's that kind of thing. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, definitely. And we've got some we've got a lot of bad performances uh lined up over the coming weeks, months, years, however long we can make this financially viable for. But I'm very excited. Uh, who knows? I'm looking forward. Who knows? So, uh yeah, Jacob will be providing equally cynical analyses of the very worst that post-war culture has had to offer. From mind-numbingly awful music to terrible TV to farcical films, this podcast will take you through some of the greatest mishaps in entertainment history as we fly through a veritable maelstrom of utter crap. I couldn't have put it better (laughs) myself. That was great. (laughs) But before we get into that, I suppose it's best to run down a little bit about us. Um, So I think we'll, we'll start with you. So... Uh, we're not on. This isn't a speed dating event, but imagine that, as, as I like to imagine, as I like to imagine quite often. Imagine we were uh, speed dating. So if you want to kind of oh, run through your age, that would be great. What, what, what you're up to now, maybe some personal anecdotes, and then we'll kind of talk about how we know each other. Is this how you? Is this how you speed date? Um, I've never gone speed dating because that would involve interacting with human beings. <laughs> Oh, that would be a great, a Bad Things <laughs> special where we go speed dating. That would be incredible. With other people, not just ourselves. We could research the worst speed dating events in London <laughs> and then go and go and If you know any out. bad speed dating events, get in touch and we will come and we'll say hi. So we met at uni. Uh, you were in your final year. I was in my first year. So that means mm-hmm. I'm disgustingly young compared to you. I'm 22. Uh, I work in I work in local radio. Uh, I won't say which station I work for in case they're listening. I think yeah, that's worth stressing. Don't say who you work for. <laughs> no, of course I wasn't going to. Um, but yeah, we we bonded over a love of professional wrestling, uh, among mm-hmm. other things, music, uh, just the general love of the human race and how strange it is. And what was I'm trying to think of what the first probably the first bad thing was that we bonded over you had me on your sh- your student radio show a few times r&b chronology did you ever play any real clangers any real bad r&b songs see that show was just pure like good stuff so i don't really know uh, uh i mean i i guess i did do a segment on that show uh which was called the news which basically took 
you know the listener through what what had happened that year in the news of the the particular year that I was doing so there were plenty of bad you know natural disasters and <laughs> human failings to talk through in that I remember I remember one item in the news was when your parents shed blew down in a storm that was particularly gripping the 87 storm <laughs> coming soon on bad things <laughs> we, we probably could do one that was that was the storm where seven oaks became like one oaks <laughs> But yeah, I, I like, I just like culture, really. I like, I'm big into music. I like my films, TV. Um, I just don't like mediocre things. Anything that's mediocre, I'm not a fan of. Anything, I, I can either We're just the same person. Brilliant. We are, to, as, we, as we'll find out as this podcast goes on, we are the same person. So what about your good self? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I'm a little bit older. Like, I don't know how, because I look about 12. <laughs> But um, it's a good thing this is a, a, a entirely audio medium. Otherwise, people would think I'd kidnapped you. Yeah. So yes, I am twenty five years of old. Twenty five years of old. Wow. Twenty five years, years of old. Good start. This is. It's felt a lot longer. I can tell you that. I am still technically currently unemployed, but Woo! as of Monday, I'm starting a new job in the uh, returning to uh, the TV industry. Um, yeah, we're both um, we're both hardened media cynics mm-hmm. at this point. I'm I'm hoping that this time I won't get made redundant and have a breakdown. So uh, we'll have to see how that one goes. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna elaborate I, on that, or are we just gonna let people let people make up their own minds as to what happened? Oh no, well that 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 particular channel doesn't deserve any more discussion. So um, <laughs> so much mystery around us at the moment. Who do we work for? Who did we used to work for? Yeah, so I'm going to be starting a new job in TV. Uh, I've just got back from travelling Australia because I needed to run away from the world. Oh, uh, someone went travelling and is now telling us all about it. How original. Yeah, it's it's actually a lot more boring than people pretend <laughs> travelling is. Uh, it's uh, There's a lot of time where you don't do anything and you feel like you haven't earned the right to do anything because you don't work. But like <laughs> then you go and see like a rainforest and you're like, oh, this is well good. So uh, That's your review of three months spent in Australia. It was quite boring. I mean, yeah, you've kind of gone through our interactions with each other, I guess. I mean, now now we normally meet up once, I don't know, every three to six months or so and shoot the beep. Um, Going to try and not swear on this podcast. Oh, so um, I've already sworn. I'm so sorry. Oh, have you already? <laughs> I didn't I've already notice. sworn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you should have, we should have clarified that before we got going. Sorry. Oh, that's oh, well. Let's swear away one. It's only going on Mixcloud, which is of course the wild west of, uh, <laughs> of audio. Yeah, I I don't think there's much more to add. Yeah, we just kind of meet up and just talk about culture. It's like my main interest. I mean, you said of course you're into all culture. I mean, for me mainly it's music because I think it is the most incoherent example and wonderful example of the human race available. Um, I do, you know, I, I dabble in TV and stuff. I mean, I struggle to uh, keep up with this Netflix thing. I mean, I try. I've now, I've just got a personal subscription to Netflix, so maybe I'll be binge watching like the rest of you crazy people. You do famously hate plot. I do. I do hate plot. I do. I mean, life is not a coherent plot. So, uh, any any David Lynch or Stanley Kubrick fans out there, shout out to you um, <laughs> for not liking plot as well. Um, <laughs> Richard Linklater, you like you like him, don't you? His films. See, but yes, that but that stuff is like so real that I. Uh, do you know what? There is plot. Well, no, there's not really. I guess yeah. I guess the before trilogy, they just kind of walk around for about a hundred minutes and then the film ends. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> 
You will come to learn on this podcast, listeners, that Nathan doesn't like normal things. And that is why I think <laughs> you are the perfect person to tackle this um, subsection of culture because nothing we're about to talk about is normal. No, no especially especially today's episode. Especially not this, because this is just, oh my God, I can't wait. So yeah, what are we talking about today? Well, the first episode, uh, we are going to be talking about the... The, the bottomless pit of Arc Music Factory and PMW, oh. uh, which which was a post-recession manufactured pop company, which may have been worse for the Western world than Northern Rock and the Lehman Brothers combined. Those are some very uh, British references there to <laughs> well, Northern Rock. This is not an international audience we're going for. Obviously, you're like a little bit younger than me. Do you remember the mm. people queuing up at Northern Rock worried they were just going <laughs> to lose money? I don't remember that. <laughs> Do you not remember? No, the mid 2000s sound bloody awful. Uh, we we we, li- <laughs> we live in a horrific, horrendously capitalistic world, but I think even uh, even Northern Rock would, or the government would have paid out people uh, if they hadn't <laughs> gone and collected like three grand out of the cash machine in Newcastle. <laughs> I'm sure they would have eventually received a payout. <laughs> we could just do an episode on the recession. <laughs> I mean that is He's a bad so thing. There's no, there's no denying that is a bad <laughs> thing. So oh. yeah, well let's think about it. I'd be up for that. Uh, <laughs> the research for that is going to kill me. Oh my um, god. So what was Arc Music Factory? Well, I thought the only place to get a definitive definition and to start this podcast off would be to go to the fine folks at Urban Dictionary oh, and see. They've served what us they... so well over the years. <laughs> what they had to say about Arc Music Factory. So, um, first of all, definition one, uh, trying to sound like an Oxford scholar here, um, <laughs> an evil record label founded by Patrice Wilson created to brainwash idiotic 13-year-olds <laughs> into thinking they can sing, then releasing some horrid smash hit that goes extremely viral and eventually hated. All songs are known to contain stupid teenagers doing adult things, which is something I want to, like, really go in on, is, like, kids don't do adult things. They should not be doing adult things. No, no, we'll get to um, that in a bit, but yeah, uh, I was, certainly wasn't doing adult things as a teenager. Uh, there's ludicrous amounts of auto-tune. Uh, the founder's voice in, is in every song, which it certainly is. Um, some kind of party and other things. Patrice himself owns a YouTube account by the name of Trizzy66, which sounds awful in my English accent. Um, This account name proves he's evil because Trizzy has six letters in it, followed by the number 66. Altogether, this means 666, meaning he has to be evil. This definition was definitely written by a former ARC Music Factory employee or client so definition two this right, one, one this word one could get us in trouble cause... okay I mean, you're not going to say that no i'm not I, i'm I think... not going to say the word i'm going to miss okay. that word out um, okay f- f- use your imaginations listeners and fill in what this what this yeah. word might be arc music factory is an evil beep company <laughs> that thinks it's okay to exploit teenagers and turn them into corporate money-making machines yeah, they make Warner Music Group and Vivo look like the angels of record labels. <laughs> yeah, the word that the word that we missed out there. Um, if you think about a record label that mainly uh, uses underage children as its singers, you could probably fill in the blanks there. Uh, not that we are saying that 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 is the case, 
but you can you can definitely fill in the blanks as to what this person on Urban Dictionary thinks of Art Music Factory. I went very close to the bone there. Yeah, uh, we, are. we should know. Let's just, um, let's just not. And then thirdly, uh, a music label masterminded by Patrice Wilson, who brackets rather cleverly, close brackets, praise, praise, <laughs> praise. on the young aspiring pop star. <laughs> the young aspiring pop stars desire to be recognised. Many of the people featured in these music videos are girls, presumably in middle school with a noticeably wealthy family. Their equally wealthy friends usually co-star. This, accompanied by the outright stupidity of the song, makes Art Music Factory especially susceptible to hatred. AMF's business, quite curiously, has boomed rather than stagnated. Because of this apparent boom, we can expect to see more increasingly cheesy music titles that commentators aged 12 to 16 flock to hate. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, succinct definition there. Uh, it is a very interesting business model, uh, Arc Music Factory, uh, which I think we'll get into a bit later on. But they have, they have done rather well for themselves apart uh, you know obviously not critically but financially i think they've done all right i mean I w- we're talking in the present tense here they haven't been an operational company since 2011 <laughs> so okay were were doing all right um and then uh, someone's just written on urban dictionary i'm going to assume this is in relation to chinese food the song we're going to talk about <laughs> later um this whole song, it, can I say it? Can I say the word? Do we care? I, don't, I, I mean, I don't care. I've already sworn, so... Okay, right. This whole song is fucking terrible. No fucking kidding. This is just one, and then I think it's about nine or ten zeros. I don't even know what I'm that is. I'm trying to work it out. This is just one blah 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 times worse than Friday. Fucking awful. <laughs> that's, all in, that's all in caps, the last one. <laughs> yes, it is. It's very much in capitals. Um, so... That's that's the atmosphere of hatred and bile we're working with. Um, and that's just the commenters, let alone the actual music we're going to talk about. Yeah, This is just normal. Nor- I say normal. Anybody using Urban Dictionary isn't normal. But this is this is just the, 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 the view on the on the street. This is the people's view. Uh, you wait until we get into the actual content. That is going to be. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob, do you want to take us through a little bit of like the history of Arc Music Factory? And like how the business model worked, and how it was somehow a successful model, and I think also we get, we're going to have our first few quotes from the the genius, uh, the Stephen Hawking of pop music, um, Patrice <laughs> Wilson. Um, so yeah, do do fire away. So how how did this all come about? Okay, so uh, Art Music Factory was founded in 2010 by a, a chap called Clarence J and Patrice Wilson, who is the hero of this week's episode <laughs> of, uh, of Bad Things. Uh, Patrice was, a, I think he was Nigerian-born, emigrated to the, the US, uh, started up this record label in 2010, and essentially how they made their money was uh, the artist, or rather the the wealthy parents of the artists, as we mentioned earlier, paid somewhere between $2,000 and $4,000 to Arc Music, who then wrote and produced the music. Uh, it, I mean, you've put in the notes in collaboration with the artists. I don't know how much input the <laughs> artists actually had. Um, and they also took care of the video side of things and the promotion of it as well. So essentially, they did everything for them for this flat rate of... Two thousand or four thousand dollars, which I don't think sounds that much. Like, is that how much it costs to make music? That seems seems quite low. 
for the videos they produce, I have no idea how they how they were making a profit on these. Yeah, um, they're not badly produced videos. The content is terrible, but the production's actually quite good. The one thing I would say, um, and for the first time in the podcast, I'm bringing up our Lord, our Savior, my God, Prince. So the singers actually owned their master recordings, which is something yes. that Prince fought for for, <laughs> for years. <laughs> I, I just I just feel like content this bad just should just be beyond the judicial system. Like it should just be out in the open. It should just go straight to public domain. Yeah, straight to public domain. Which would be better for us as well. Yeah, it'd be great. We wouldn't have to feel bad about stealing the music, which we're not doing. I promise. Nope. We're only nope, gonna do we're... like thirty seconds, which is fine, isn't it? That's covered by yeah, that's fine. I, I, I did a media law course at work, so I'll, I'll defend us if we get taken to court. So in May 2011, uh, Clarence J left Arc Music Factory to start a new production company called Music Intersection, which just sounds like it's been translated into a different language and then translated back again. I'm going to be honest, I didn't even research what happened to Music Intersection. No, I don't think I could be bothered. Clarence J isn't the hero here. Like we said, it's all about Patrice, <laughs> who, uh, who then went on. He left in 2011 as well. <laughs> So that says it all, really. Uh, and he started, is it Pato or Pato Music it's World? Pa- I think it's Pato. That's his stage name, isn't it? He is Pato. So, yeah, he set up uh, Pato Music World or PMW. Um, and he's been, is he still running that? Is that still going on? Um, we're, we will discuss this later, but no, oh, he appears okay. to have just, I don't know what he's doing now, but the music <laughs> game seems to be no longer his bag. Uh, well, if we see what the music industry did to him, uh, then that's probably not a bad thing. Uh, I've got here a mission statement from Arc Music Factory. Uh, it says, <laughs> it says here, we at Arc make it possible for an emerging artist to be discovered, defined and delivered to advance in their chosen career and be successful. So I guess at the end of the podcast, we should probably evaluate whether they succeeded in that uh, mission. I, I feel like all manifestos, we're, we're not going to be very positive by the end of the, <laughs> end of the run here. Yeah, like all, like all manifestos, they have failed to deliver on a lot of their promises. You, you've done a bit of research into ARC's Facebook page. Uh, and an- <laughs> There's another mission statement here that says that ARC claims to be creating a community where artists from all fields can come together to build connections and interact, like a musical LinkedIn, if you will. It's, it's the Apple music of, of the 2010s. <laughs> it's, it's, and I mean Apple as in, as in the Beatles and not as yeah. in Apple... Uh, Not as in the streaming service. Uh, the, no, uh, no I, I'm I'm referring to Apple Corp. Did um did um Out Music Factory open a big office in the middle of London that they had to close after six months because they couldn't afford the rent? <laughs> because because people were just stealing the products. <laughs> The website of Art Music also claims that their dedicated team has industry professionals who have worked with the likes of Miley Cyrus, the Backstreet Boys, and Ashley Tisdale, who's not a name that I've heard in about 10 years. Ashley Tisdale just screams sort of like 2006 to me, but maybe that's yeah. a little bit early. I well, don't know. I mean, she was she's in High School Musical, isn't she? She was oh, the, okay. the blonde one in High School Musical, mm-hmm. um, who I think had a semi-successful pop career after that in the way that all these ex-Disney Channel stars do. I've got another quote from our boy Patrice here. Uh, <laughs> Wilson, I don't know when he said this or, or why he said this, but he says, I'm getting a lot of criticism saying I'm exploiting rich kids and their parents, because you are. Um, <laughs> but, f- <laughs> but find me another company that would do all this at a cost this low, which to be fair... Good point. It's a good point. 
I don't promise anyone fame. In fact, if someone approaches me with their only goal to get famous, I tell them they're not in this for the right reasons. <laughs> He's definitely got it's this righteous... Just... Semi-religious complex. I mean, the whole thing is called Ark Music Factory, as in saving the good and the righteous from the flood. So this whole thing just reeks of God complex. No way did you just link this this music company to friggin' Noah and the Ark. Look, if I'm I'm on this podcast for the cutting edge intertextual analysis and the fact that you don't know how to edit. One final thing on the Ark Music Factory website. Uh, it's now full of forums, which. <laughs> Just try and sell you shoes, <laughs> and there's nothing. There's been nothing on it since 2016. So did you, much. Did that. you happen to go? Did you have a look at it? Uh, I can get it up now if you want. I can get my my live yeah, have, reactions. It, it looks to... so 2011. Is it like a? It's not like an old HTML website, is it? With loads of um, flash animations. It's, it's kind of like between HTML. It's so bright, <laughs> so pink. I'm sorry, I've just... Oh, they're still advertising songs from, like, five years ago. <laughs> oh, this is horrible. <laughs> the last post is by somebody called Wang Fang. <laughs> God. This might be somebody's actual name, but based on, on the track record of ARC music, I'm going to assume this is somebody trolling them. Uh, yeah, that's that's the backstory right there. So um... I think at this point, yeah, I think at this point, a lot of people, if they don't know what Art Music Factory is, this is the point where we're gonna. It's all gonna make a lot of sense because the first artist we we had to start with was probably their most well, definitely their most famous artist. Something that will make all of this make sense to people who don't know what Art Music Factory is. She was an unintentional superstar. I think is yeah. probably the best way <laughs> <laughs> to put it. Against against all the odds, including her own, she made it. She made it big. <laughs> the, I, there, there is only one place to start here. Uh, we're going to be talking about the California native uh, Rebecca Black, yes. uh, who is perhaps. Well, I say perhaps she is the most well-known artist within the arc music canon for all the right and all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, let's take a look at her discography, starting with probably the worst song ever. So that pair was Friday. Uh, my goodness. That really, really <laughs> takes oh, me back. That's what I was going to ask you, because mm. I I remember exactly where I was when I first heard <laughs> this. Because it's not that I could name you the other nine, but like if I was to quantify it, this is probably in like the top ten funniest moments of my life, <laughs> like when I first heard this song. There are those moments in life that you remember where you were. You know, Kennedy getting shot. 9-11, when you hear Friday by Rebecca Black for the first time. <laughs> so it's, a, I, it's up there. I was sitting, uh, it was a Wednesday night, and often my mum and dad would go out on a Wednesday night. So oh. like, I'd have like a couple of hours free where I'd just like, absolutely get down in the living room uh, <laughs> to some tunes. <laughs> that just made it sound like you were just having sex while your parents were out. Uh, Get down. I definitely wasn't having sex at 17. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I was I was sitting in the living room and I got on... I, I don't know, I think I must have just been scrolling through the net. Um, still kind of early days of viral culture, I guess. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I just came across this article. It was like, people are talking about this song as the worst song ever. I press play and 
I, I, I mean, I just have never ever laughed so hard <laughs> and been so <laughs> amazed by what I've just experienced. Um, uh, and I'm interested because obviously you were a little bit younger, so I don't know how you came across this. Um, I guess you were still like 14, so... Yeah, 2011. This is so 2011, yeah. I would have been 14, yeah. Because um, I'm the same age as Rebecca Black. We were born <laughs> in the same year. And the same month. Oh. Which is just bizarre. Um, so yeah, I remember hearing about this, and this is going to be a very obscure, again, very British reference. Um, I remember watching a reaction to this on a programme called 10 O'Clock Live which was a comedy satirical news program hosted by David Mitchell, Jimmy Carr, Charlie Brooker, and for some reason, Lauren Laverne from BBC Radio. Oh, she was so bad. (laughs) Do you remember this show? Did you watch this show? Yeah, of course I watched this show. Come on, (laughs) I'm not going to miss a Mitchell product. So there was a piece on this. Charlie Brooker did a piece on this about uh, the backlash to this song because um, as anyone who lived through this song will remember... People hated it and people took particularly strong offence to this song and it resulted in a whole load of death threats and a whole load of ridiculous, just stupid online abuse directed at this 14-year-old girl. Um, And he did a piece on... He did a piece on that. So for the longest time, I never really heard the song. I just knew about the backlash to it. And then as I grew up, people sort of... You know, it was one of those things that people sung in school to, like, annoy the teachers... So I never actually heard this song in full until we started doing the research for this podcast. <laughs> and how how did you find that? It is <laughs> bloody awful, isn't it? I can see I I just thought, you know, maybe it'd been overhyped, maybe I, you know, my adult brain would react to it differently to how a 14-year-old's brain would have reacted to it. But no, it is up there with the worst things that have ever been committed to record. It is an absolute, absolute a travesty of a recording. I've, I've heard a lot of music and um, not to toot my own horn. Um, <laughs> but you're going to this, anyway. This is the worst song I have ever heard. This is categorically the worst song you've ever heard. This is categorically the worst song I've ever heard. Jesus. And you have heard a lot of music. I, I, I don't know how, how much, how else to expand upon that. This is, <laughs> this is the bottom of the pit. It, it, <laughs> it, I mean, just, just before we talk about the lyrics, I do want to talk because another person who was very prevalent in the 2000s and the 2010s obviously had to stick his oar into this argument, and that being Simon Cowell. Oh, and yes. he just says the most Simon Cowell thing um, about about Rebecca Black. So I'm just going to read this to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her. <laughs> and <laughs> That's the fact it. That That's she's the end of the quote. She's... <laughs> Shall I just end it on I love her? <laughs> yeah. The fact she's got so much publicity, people are so upset about the song, but I think it's hysterical. Anyone who can create this much controversy within a week, I want to meet. I love people like that. He also observed that any song to do with The weekend annoys you, which is actually kind of a fair comment. <laughs> Should we do a follow-up in, in a couple of weeks' time as, as a sort of weekend song anthology? I agree, because I obviously... I, I used to, like, wash up, basically, to get money part-time. <laughs> That just um, sounds like you were doing it on the street. <laughs> no, I was a kitchen porter. I think it's so, this is a ridiculous thing to say, but I think it's so disheartening for chefs who have to just listen all the time to like how great the weekend is, and they work every weekend. Like mm. 
their weekend is like Tuesday and Wednesday. So I feel I've always had a thing against weekend based media and songs. Um, I have thought of an example that that we have talked about in the past that I know you like. Yes, go on. Friday night by the darkness. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 well. Friday night is that's like on the precipice of the weekend. Yeah, that, I'd say that's the weekend. I put Friday night. Should we should we play a bit? <laughs> should we play a bit of Friday night now for people to have a listen to? Yeah, throw throw in a bit of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday in there. Yeah, go on. That song. I mean, that first Darkness album. My God, it's misogynistic, but it's uh, it's good. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's just there's a naked woman on the cover directing a plane. The, That's not. There's a naked woman on the cover, and also I think the first is it the first or second song is "Get Your Hands Off of My Woman, Motherfucker." <laughs> I don't see any problem with that. <laughs> we'll go back to Simon Cowell, and he d- once again makes a. F- he makes a fair comment here. Cal advised Black not to listen to anyone over the age of 18. I'm being deadly serious. Whatever she's done has worked. Whether you like her or not, she's the most talked about artist in America right now, which uh, probably is not true, but I it's mean, Simon she got to be up there at the time. Oh, she was top five, but yeah, come totally. on. And he also says, which is a, once again a really fair point. You can see why this guy's made money. Nobody over the age of 18 should understand her or like her, so she, she should just do it her own way i mean he's he's absolutely right it goes back to my point of like the the problem i have with arc is like there's no separation between childhood and adulthood and it's really <laughs> creepy yeah there's a couple of examples in some of the other songs we're going to talk about where yeah it, it this is not something that kids have because she's 14 here and a lot of the other artists were of a similar age they should not be singing about going out to parties you know, driving. <laughs> Who's driving them to school in this video if they're 14? <laughs> I hate the whole thing about trying to make kids seem more adult. And it's just so uncomfortable. I, I hated watching every single one of these videos because they just all look so young and none of them should be doing this. <laughs> it's, it just reminds me of when I was 14 and I just remember going to like school discos and seeing... Everyone else, like, in caked in makeup and trying to wear, like, these big heels and just hating every minute of it. And I got secondhand anxiety from watching these people. And admittedly, like, as a, as, a, as a male, I didn't have to bother with all that stuff because societal pressures. But being a 14-year-old girl must be fucking awful because there's so much, so much to trip up on. And it just makes me feel so uncomfortable. Were you just secretly jealous because no one was making out with you? Was that it? <laughs> Was still jealous, yeah, definitely. Definitely past it. <laughs> I just want to comment here on, like, some of my personal worst lyrics. Yeah. And, like, I would advise with anything in this episode, if you can get hold of the visual media as well, it will really help you. Like, we'll probably link, like, all of it in the description or whatever. Yeah. But um, it will really help your experience of this whole thing. Um, because the first one I picked out it is, she's she's waiting for her friend. <laughs> she's She's... She's... She's waiting for her friends at a bus stop, but the bus stop doesn't turn. The bus doesn't turn up. Yeah, but I, her got, friends, I got this as well. Who, who, who can't dri- legally drive at this age <laughs> turn up and pick her up? And so she says, you know, got to make my mind up. Which seat can I take? Now, I'm pretty sure there's no seats available, is the first thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're doing that really classic American thing of like sitting on the back of the car, which yeah. just looks just looks horrendous. How are more it, people? It, well, I was going to say how are more people not killed in road traffic accidents, but maybe they are. I don't know. So many people are killed in road traffic that accidents. Is a, yeah, that is a, that's um, an actual fact that we can say on this podcast. Don't sit on the top of cars. When when one of my friends first passed his driving test, like he only had a four seater, but like obviously we like none of us had passed, and we'd all go to our other friends that was like a drive away. So like five or maybe six of us would somehow squeeze into this car <laughs> to get back home. Ah, oh, that's great though. That that is a real like proper childhood, sort of early teenage memory of just being really dangerous in a car. That's a universal thing. Yeah, you look back at it now, and we just deserved to die, but we were just <laughs> lucky that we didn't. So yeah, I picked up on this as as well. Like the big emotional dilemma of this song is which seat does she take in the car? <laughs> that's the main force behind this this video. I'm not invested mm. in that. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I want to know your backstory. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I want to know the backstory about the guy driving with braces. Oh God. Oh. Um. So right. The ne- the next lyric is my favourite because yeah. there's so there's so much I want to rant about with this lyric. Right. <laughs> this one is particularly so much shit. I want to discuss. Fun, fun. Think about fun. You know what it is. Right. Can I hit you with a fact first before we start? Yeah, go on. The word fun is mentioned 19 times in this song. (laughs) It's not expanded upon at all. (laughs) 19 times. The whole idea of fun is that, like, you you can't fathom fun. Like... You can't. You can't definitively. You know what it is. No, you don't. Like you don't. <laughs> Do you see where I'm coming from? You're making a very good point. Yeah. No, I never. I didn't interpret that. I just assumed you know what it is as like a throwaway sort of filler line. But if you read it in the context of it being a of sentence, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Then yeah, you don't know what fun is, and nor do they say what fun they're actually going to do on a Friday. They just say it's Friday. Got to get down, like you on a Wednesday night when you when your parents are out. Well, exactly, and like, look, I'm I'm one anxious guy, but even I, on the odd occasion, don't think about the fun I'm having. <laughs> yeah, if you're thinking about fun, then that is a serious psychological breakdown. Something's gone wrong in your brain. <laughs> I love this line. Next up, um, you got this, I got this. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's the fun. It's the <laughs> metaphysical concept of fun. <laughs> That's a double problem, because you haven't explained what this is, and you also haven't explained what fun is. Because... <laughs> well, we don't need to explain what fun is, because we know what it is. <laughs> we... We've just been told that. Oh, I've lost it. <laughs> Do you need a minute? It, it just... <laughs> yeah, you, you, so, you got this, I got this. My friend is by my right. <laughs> by my right is not a phrase that makes sense. What sort of archaic English what, is and that? And also, why does the friend on the left not get mentioned? <laughs> 
Well, she's, they're clearly not friends. Because she says my friend is by my right. There's just this random fucker on my left. They don't know what fun this, is. This, there's a visible left-sided friend <laughs> in the video who doesn't receive a mention. <laughs> oh, the geopolitics of Rebecca Black. It's so intricate. <laughs> who is this friend? Who's on the left? Who's on the right? Maybe it's a comment on politics. My friend is oh, by maybe. my right. Rebecca Black is an alt-right supporter. I'm, I'm putting this out there. I reckon Black comes from a Republican household, but I'm is also... now a social democrat. That's Well, she's from California, isn't she? So she might yes. be. That's, that's tricky because California is a very democratic state, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, I think it is because Florida is the one where they can never decide what they're going to vote, I think. Yeah, that was the Gore um, Bush I always get California uh, and Florida mixed up. I mean, there might be some you want to bring up as well, but the final yeah. lyric I've got, which hilariously on, on Genius Lyrics, which is the ultimate website for lyrics, um, not that they're not a sponsor, I'm just saying it. If they do um, want to sponsor us, though. Oh, yeah, far away. Yeah, we're available. We'll sell our soul. You know I secretly want this to become a music-only podcast, so if Genius sponsor us, then we've got no choice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they've they've helpfully labelled uh, this as the bridge. Uh, yesterday was Thursday. Thursday. Today it is Friday. Friday. Brackets. Party in. Close brackets. <laughs> well, we 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 so excited. We so excited. Which is a terribly uncomfortable because you're not. I'm sorry. You're not an African American R and B artist. <laughs> you don't get to say it like that. Well, we'll we'll actually get on to Rebecca Black's racial controversy later on in the podcast as a little hook there for the listeners. <laughs> but this is this the seeds were, the seeds were sown here. Oh, completely. Um, we're gonna have a ball today. Tomorrow is Saturday, and shockingly, <laughs> listeners, Sunday comes afterwards. <laughs> I don't want this weekend to end. It technically hasn't started yet. It's only Friday. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, can we also... Right. I hate I hate the living for the weekend argument, okay? Why yeah. Why waste five days of your week, all right? Like, you know, just like... Even if you don't like your job, right? Go out and, like, do something of an evening. Just one weekday evening, you know? You've choose to, Maybe Wednesday you're coming into work a little bit weird. Tuesday, you know... I don't know, go and play some squash or something. The darkness <laughs> had it down. They did something on every day. Your parents had it down as well, going out on a Wednesday. What did they do on a Wednesday? Let's get oh. a, a window into oh, the Oh, God. Lives. This, oh, this. So dad, dad, ran, dad ran a keep fit class. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah. And then uh, mum would go and see her friend Maureen. <laughs> Maureen. Oh, your parents are so lovely. I, everything I hear about your parents, just, <laughs> I just want to meet them so badly. Uh, 38 Jeez. years strong. Can I, can I talk a bit about the hero of this video, our boy Patrice? Yes, of course. Yeah, because yes. Patrice, Patrice Wilson, the founder of Art Music Factory, makes his first of many, 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 many many cameo appearances in his own videos yes many 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 yes many 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 he uh i didn't realize this but at first but he he's does the rap verse he's just like on this highway somewhere <laughs> rapping uh it's all terrible i, I don't think i could single out a, a a particular um bit of patrice's verse in fact i might play some of it now just so you can get uh an insight into how Awful this verse is. So chilling in the front side, in the front side, in the back seat, in the back seat. I'm driving, cruising, yeah, yeah. fast lanes, switching lanes with a car by my side. Woo. 
switching lanes. And my favourite thing about this whole thing is that um, I'm going to plug another uh, lyric site here, Metro Lyrics. Uh, sorry, genius. The check's going to bounce this week. Um, you know what Metro Lyrics credited Patrice Wilson as in this in this video? Um, God reincarnated. What was it? <laughs> they credit him. They actually put some random rapper. <laughs> Just the producer and owner of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's not even credited on a on an actual lyrics website. Um but yeah that that just is completely it's so disjointed from the rest of the song as well. Were you expecting a coherent rap verse? <laughs> <laughs> just some coherence in general would have been nice. This song um for all its faults did become somewhat of a hit. It I don't think it did well like it didn't think it charted but it got so much coverage like culturally. This was a version by the cast of Glee which I didn't realize. Uh, it was covered live by people like uh, Nick Jonas, Justin Bieber, Todd Rundgren, <laughs> which I really want to hear. Sorry, and... t- sorry, Todd Rundgren t- did a version of this song. He did it live, yeah, he did it at some of his gigs. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to dig that up somewhere. Know how I'm spending my Saturday evening. <laughs> uh, and Katy Perry also did a live version. And uh, Katy Perry's song, TGIF, in brackets, last Friday night has a cameo appearance from Rebecca Black, so Whee! she actually got she actually got some pretty decent coverage as a result of this song. Mm. But it is terrible. It is. It is. <laughs> I think I would have to agree. It is probably the worst song ever written. I mean, at least like I mean, this is gonna piss a few people off, but at least the final countdown and we built this city on rock and roll have. S- somewhat coherent uh, narratives. Although I still don't know what the mumbo is. But Marconi, Marconi played the mumbo <laughs> on the on the radio. That's all you need to know. Oh. You need to know that, and you need to know what fun is. That's all you need to know. Oh, sometimes I get so angry. So some additional material that I think it's worth discussing for Friday because both of these clips were pretty big at the time. I'm, I'm. Did they pass you by? No, I didn't hear either of these at the being, time. Being the, uh, the you know, infant that you were at this period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get very good Wi-Fi in the womb, so obviously I couldn't hear any of this. So, first of all, Brock Baker, who throughout 2011 and I think 2012 just produced some of the funniest videos on the internet. Um, I don't know what he's up to now, um, but he basically does... He, he did a dub of Friday... Um, and it's it's definitely worth uh, hearing some of that uh, some of that stuff right now. Which seat can I take? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down. This on Friday. is freaking awesome. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. And it's a dolphin. So Brock Baker, what did you make of this uh, dub, Jacob? What what did you take from this comedy skit? It was great. Um, yeah, it's just every criticism that I also had with the video was great. I love, I love the bit where he just goes into like a death metal scream for part of it. That was really funny. Um, and yeah, and then the car drives off the cliff at the end, which, you know, I don't condone the murder of 14 year olds, but you know. My my favourite bit of this video, and it might be a little bit insensitive now, but it wasn't in 2011, is when they do the partying, partying, and the the kid the kid with the braces who's driving is like, yes, yes, and then the <laughs> <laughs> and then 
the girl who's sitting next to Rebecca Black is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And obviously the two classic memes, I think, from that were my hand is a dolphin and also everybody's Russian because she does say Russian. Everybody's Russian. I assume it's meant to be rushing, but she didn't enunciate no, she's, because, um, she was a, because she was a child. She's not a Putin supporter, so well, as far as we know. Well, I mean, she is on the right. We did establish that earlier. <laughs> the geopolitics of car seat positions. <laughs> So shout out to Brock Baker. I also would really recommend you check out his uh, Royal Wedding dub from 2011. That's that's some proper funny stuff as well. What a year 2011 was. We had Friday. We had the Royal Wedding. Bin Laden got killed. Uh, it's one of the worst years of my, of my life, personally. But apart from that, oh. <laughs> the other one I wanted to bring up was uh, a... Parody. I'm not sure who did that. I've, I've, I haven't, didn't look further into this, but someone performing as Bob Dylan doing Friday. I mean, it goes on for way too long. You could like just listen to the first 30 seconds to a minute or so, and you you would get the gist. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. So old Bobby D there with uh, Friday. Um, can we just talk about Dylan for a minute? Like, I just find him a little bit overrated. I'm not going to lie. Oh, you've definitely upset a lot of people now. I definitely have. Between that and Final Countdown, we've lost a lot of listeners. Uh, Blood on the Tracks, though, is a superb album. Um, and when he does eventually die from his ridiculous amount of chain smoking um, <laughs> in the 60s, uh, that will that will be the album that I will go to. I don't mind him. I don't really know enough to pass judgment. But I'll yeah, Blood on the Tracks and Highway 61 revisited uh, two standouts for me. But we talk we can't talk about good things. We're not allowed to talk about Blood on the Tracks. If you want to talk about bad things with Bob Dylan, then um, definitely listen to some of the stuff he produced during his Christian period. Oh. Um, I would strongly recommend you check out Serve Somebody, which is a 10-minute, uh, nearly a groove sort of thing going on. Uh, it's, it's actually pretty awesome. And that okay. is kind of it for discussing the worst song ever with Friday. Yeah, I think, um, I think just to say that, uh, you know... Whatever, for however bad it was, she did not deserve the hate that she got. And she did not deserve any of the the shit that got thrown her way. Because nobody does. Nobody deserves that level of shit. Um, it, It was... It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous for a couple of reasons. Obviously, she's 14. So, like, that's gonna just destroy, like, any 14 year old. And also, like, it's really entertaining. So, if, like... How could you, like, outright hate it? Like, I don't understand that. Mm. And I think, going back to what Simon Cowell said earlier, I think major, major props to him for stepping in and and actually saying something positive about this poor girl who must have just felt awful hearing all this stuff. And to hear something from, you know, one of the biggest music moguls in the world must have meant the world to her. So, yeah, big up to Simon Cowell for actually saying something nice about her i can't believe cows won us over it's a dark day (laughs) um but i suppose the question is what did rebecca do next did she just wallow into a hole which would have been completely acceptable with the abuse that she got um or did she respond well she responded um and we're gonna she's she's actually released quite a lot of stuff 
um, since Friday. Um, so I've what have I nailed it down to? I've kind of nailed it down to five. Uh, if there's anything else you want to bring up as well, Jacob, then far away. I have done no um, further research. I've left it entirely <laughs> to you. So first one, I'm going to bring up the follow-up single to Friday, which was called My Moment. <laughs> That was My Moment, RB's follow-up to Friday, uh, a self-empowerment a- anthem, um, which was uh, clearly a response to the horrific trolling that uh, Black received. Um, it does absolutely nothing for me. Uh, I don't know what you <laughs> thought of it. Um, I thought the singing, like the actual singing, has improved massively. Because even, you know, aside from all the shit lyrics and the shit video... Rebecca Black can't sing in the Friday video. It's this horrible, monotonous <laughs> drone. But she's actually sounding all right in this one. I don't know whether that's studio magic or she's actually gotten singing lessons and, or maybe she was just instructed to sing badly uh, on Friday. But I think the singing's improved. Um, it it mm. sounds like something out of a Disney Channel TV show, which I guess was the audience that they were going for here. Um, I also don't understand why she's going to the cinema in the music video for the launch of a song. I don't think that's how songs work. <laughs> Could you imagine going to the cinema for a premiere of a three-minute video and then just walking out after three minutes? Insert joke about how overpriced cinemas are here. Oh, that's not a joke. It's a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, four pounds for a pack of Revels? Well, I never. <laughs> you you so buy, like, Skittles when you go to the <laughs> cinema. No, I'm one of the people that sneak them in. I love it. It's one It's one of the best, biggest thrills of my life is sneaking sweets into the cinema. That's another thing I, I could it. rant about. It's just, like, just let people bring sweets into the cinema, okay? We've already paid <laughs> 10 to 14 quid for a ticket. Just, just let us bring in our yeah, sweets. I agree. One lyric from my moment that uh, caught my attention was, I hope you're happy... I'm about to blow up. <laughs> that's not quite true, is it? I'm guessing that that's blow up in terms of become a... St- I mean, she already had blow up. <laughs> not, no, I didn't... I don't think she meant I'm about to explode as in, like, physically. Yeah, no, I know, I know, yeah, I know, yeah. But yeah, no, she, she'd blown up as, as big as she was going to mm-hmm. get by this point. So it's a bit tragic in hindsight. Um, but yeah, this song's fine. It's, uh, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really stick in, stick in my mind... Uh, as much as Friday does. It, it's a very... <laughs> reason. It's a super safe option from her. Um, but I do want to talk about this next song. I, I, I like this song. This song... I mean, I just think it's great. It, it's called Person of Interest. Uh, and we'll give you a little snippet of it now. think this song has really got something it's just like it's just i mean i don't even know what that is it's some sort of like bass synth or i don't know what is what it is but um it's a dance pop ditty uh where rebecca compares her love interest to a criminal uh such as his notoriety um what did what did you what did you make of this jacob um I really quite like the chorus. I thought that was really catchy. Um, again, the singing has come on leaps and bounds. 
Um, I thought some of the metaphors for being a criminal and also being like a lover were quite laboured a lot of the time. Like there's a crime scene on the dance floor, police tape at the front door. It's all a bit sort of, I don't know. I don't really like that sort of imagery in music. Um, Also, the opening lyric is, when I talk, you listen. I like that. Those are some low standards (laughs) from Becca Black. I think those are some perfectly legitimate standards. Is that all it takes to impress you? Somebody just to listen to you when you talk? I mean, I don't listen to anyone, so like, I doubt anyone else listens to me. Uh, one thing that really got me in this video, apart from everybody being ridiculously young again, um, they like they start off in this arcade um, and they win a they win a prize on the machines, which would never happen in an arcade because you have to win like twenty thousand tickets. As someone who used to work in an arcade, they win they win this teddy bear, and half of it is like a sort of chocolate color, and half of it is like a sort of. <laughs> Is it like a brown colour? Is it like a sort of light brown, like a, or is it a pink? It's it's like a horrible half and half bear, and I hated I'm it. I'm pretty sure it's pink. I hated that bear. <laughs> I thought it was the ugliest. I picked up toy. on this as well. <laughs> it's the ugliest toy I've ever seen, and it came back. That bear sucks. It's a, it's awful. Why would you waste your hard-earned ski ball tickets? On, on a horrible looking bear. But that's the main thing I took away from the video. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I think this is the best the best song we've heard so far. You were talking about the um, the visual uh, metaphors. Mm. Um, and there's, there's, one, there's one that's like, there's a chalk line on the dance floor in the shape of my heart. Yeah. Which is really tough to take. It implies that her heart's been murdered. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, that's not something I can. I never. I couldn't quite get. Does she like this guy? Has this guy screwed her over? I don't really know. I didn't really get like it. Where so she stood I, on on this guy. From the video, I think she uh, she essentially contacts the police because she has lost him, yeah. and she's using the police to find him again. And then so, when when she finds him, they then elope, and the police officer's like, "Well, that's a massive waste of my time." <laughs> what a waste of time and resources, yeah. And also, that guy's just Justin Bieber, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is so young in this video; it's so uncomfortable. We're gonna skip forward a couple of years now. I think this is now 2013. We're at kind of the back end of 2013. Yeah. Um, it's Rebecca Black goes away for a little bit because she like actually matures and realizes that like people have exploited her. Let's be honest. <laughs> she returns with Saturday, which um, I seem to remember at the time a lot of people were not expecting. So Saturday, uh, an electropop semi-parody of Friday. There's a ton of references in here. Um, I thought Rebecca Black came across really well in this video. Uh, mature, self-deprecating. There's there's the beginning of her redemptive arc, I guess you could say. Um, what what did you think of this more uh, mature and knowing effort from Rebecca Black? I think this is a, a real strong effort from Rebecca Black like you said there's a lot of references in the video like somebody's got fun 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 written on their face 
she eats a bowl of cereal, <laughs> which has got "Got to Get My Bowl" written on it uh, as a reference to one of the lines. Um, I thought the song itself was all right. It's it's you know it's nothing special, but it, it's fairly catchy. Um, I well, I really laughed at the bit where she phones uh, the guy she's duetting with, Dave Days, who is a, a YouTuber. Um, <laughs> At one point, he was the most subscribed to musician on YouTube. I learned that when I was doing some research. So, you know. I don't big... know who he is. I don't know who he is either. Um, but there was a bit where she calls him and is like, I'll come over to my party. And he's, his response was, I'll be right over. I just need to find my pants. And they just zoom out and he's just <laughs> in his underwear. And it's really funny. I thought that was quite good. Um, there's a Yeah, they turn up at this party in the video like on a Saturday night. And Rebecca Black starts riding a Triceratops, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, somebody's dressed up as Miley Cyrus. Um, yeah, I think this is a really, really bold move to take the piss out of something that, you know, is probably your the thing you're most famous for. And to admit that it probably was a bit crap. And to see that and to make fun of it. I think this is a really, really mature move, like you said. But... Do you know about the racial controversy that surrounded this music video? I do not, and I can't think what it would be. I thought I like watching the party. I was like, this all looks really like ad libbed and really fun. <laughs> like I just wanted to be there. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I I'd love to go to a party like that. But um, you remember at the okay, this is for people who've seen the video. If you haven't seen the video, essentially what happens at the end is the song stops, and then this guy this black guy bursts into the party, starts shouting at people, and then he gets taken away by the police and presumably arrested. And people were saying that this was racist because everyone else in the video was white and the one black guy ends up getting arrested by the police. (laughs) And people really took offence to this. Like, they were... Like articles about this in the Los Angeles Times. There was articles about this on very, very prominent music websites. Um, it really could have gone quite badly. Well, is it not? If I mean, if if there is anything to that, is it not more? Then is it not more of a comment of the prejudice, prejudices, uh, like inherent in the U.S. police force, rather than? Um, anything else or i mean i think we're just are we going too deep into this are we getting too millennial about this i don't know (laughs) like also with the policeman coming in it's all presented as a bit of a farce it's not like a serious end to the (laughs) to the party i don't think it was meant as a political statement so so once again i'm not sure what rebecca black was doing for three years but she takes another quite long break for the industry um and comes back uh with quite a few songs in 2016 uh the one i've picked out uh is this one uh and this is the crush cove remix of the great divide Well, I don't know where this came from, Jacob, but I think this is this is 
super mature pop from Rebecca Black. Uh, we got some really strong and bombastic dance pop instrumentals. I mean, the video is pretty boring. It's just some flares. But um, I, uh, what, what were you, what were you getting from this? Like this, this to me is like a real. I mean, I said it for Saturday as well, but this once again is Rebecca Black coming into her own. Mm. I think this is the first. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen anything else that she did at the time, but I think this is her first foray into quote unquote real music, like. <laughs> real music well it's all the all the sort of the sort of disney channel shit's gone at this point it's not she's not trying to you know like go for the sort of teen market this could have easily been a sort of you know this you could have given this to any sort of big female pop singer and it would have fit right in i think it's a really well written song um mm-hmm. i think it's it you know touches on a lot of themes uh like you said in a very mature way the video is really boring it's just her walking around a warehouse <laughs> But no, I think blue flares, (laughs) blue flares. Um, But yeah, unfortunately, there isn't really much else to say because it is just a very competently produced, competently written pop song. I should have just kept this one out because it's just too good. (laughs) It's too good. It has no place here. And neither does, I think, the next video. Uh, the next song that we're going to talk about. The, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this song is now on my 2019 playlist. Oh, my God. This is going to be Sweetheart, released mere weeks before we recorded this podcast. I think even under a month before we recorded this podcast. Um, so let's have a listen to the devilish Sweetheart. Don't call me a sweetheart. Actually, don't call me at all. So there's a quite a few la la la's in there, but um, I'll uh, I'll give it <laughs> I'll, I'll let that slide considering what we've had previously. Yeah. Um, Where, how I has she just, come on this far? In what, I'm sounding like years? a broken record, but like it's 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 a it's a decent pop song, and yeah. the video is just fantastic. It's like this strange uh, mid-century uh, comedy noiry thing. She discovers that her sweetheart uh, has has been texting some other girl and saying that she's going to kill Rebecca, saying he's going to kill Rebecca, and um, that then they can elope. So Rebecca's like, well, I'm going to take charge of this. And she... um, and so that she, I think, sprinkles some chemicals into his pie or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, it's all presented um, as very sort of 30s America, like they've got the sort of pin-up haircut. Um, mm. The house is very sort of, you know, there's a big sort of wireless radio in the corner. Uh, it's very sort of just before Second World War sort of vibes going on. Yeah, and there's there's also, like, an amazing skit in here where, like, a salesperson comes to the door and, like, they've tied the guy up. But when they go back downstairs, he's tied <laughs> one of, like, because she... It's like Charlie's Angels, like, she's got, like, a couple of other women um, mm. helping her in the process. They go back downstairs and actually one of her accomplices has been tied up and he's run away. And eventually she just runs him over and I think he gets buried. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, they kill. They but kill him. They just, kill the dude. Just a great pop song. Like I would, and like they've taken time with the video, which um, is becoming slightly more of a thing. But certainly, when Rebecca Black started out, videos were, at least in my opinion, seriously on the down low. I mean, there'd be sort of a bit of dry humping, maybe like low lighting, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
like not a lot would happen in videos. Oh, don't mention dry humping <laughs> Sorry, in the context no, of fourteen-year-olds. I, I don't mean not music factory. I mean like me. Chris Brown and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So uh, I know what you mean. What what a way to end that is. As far as we know, the most recent Rebecca Black song. Um, I mean, I'm going to conclude with my own thoughts on Rebecca Black, but um, I'll let you jump in afterwards as well and let me know if you agree or disagree. Um, but I think Rebecca Black's story is incredible, and she it actually has up to this point a super nice ending. Um, it's and this I mean this is this this is the cheesiest thing I'm ever going to say on this podcast. But it's it's proof that when the worst happens to you, the best normally isn't far behind. Uh, Black's early totally unfair trauma has given her an understanding of adulthood and self-deprecation, which many of us could only wish for. She's now a legit artist, and her and her team should be super proud of what they've achieved. Also, Friday, rightly or wrongly, is one of the key comedy cultural products of the 2010s. Um, so it's all turned out pretty rosy, I think. I'd agree with, with all of that, yeah. And I'm very intrigued to see where she goes next, because she's clearly taken her music in a very different direction now with uh, Sweetheart. So, And she's only 22, and she's already had so much exposure, and she's already obviously got a very competent team behind her. So... I don't. I mean, who knows? We could see something really, really big from her in the next couple of years if she, you know, once the Friday heat sort of properly goes away, then who knows? She could maybe be a legit contender, like a, le- a legit charting artist, because she's obviously got what it takes. And she's never released a full-length album, so that's got to be on the way as well. And you know me, I'm an absolute albums guy, so I'm excited for that. But how did the ever tactful, ever respectful uh, Patrice Wilson respond to uh, the criticisms he received for Friday? Well, um, he I think this is the only song he's released on his own. Um, We're going to take a quick listen now to the happy song or I think as it's stylized, H-A-P-P-Y. So that is a hilarious self-deprecating song uh, from Patrice. Well, the song's not so self-deprecating. It's more the video, which maybe along with Friday is the thing that I would really suggest you watch in this whole podcast. This this whole video is completely bizarre. Completely (laughs) hilarious. I mean, it is hilarious. Like, it, it is amazing. I'll let you describe it, but I'll, I've got so. I think this is the thing I took the most notes on, because it's just—it's like a fever dream. It's—it's it's in for me. It's in two parts. The first part I absolutely love, which is the part that isn't the song. <laughs> yeah, the video is like six minutes long. So it's—it's it's a really self-deprecating first part where like there's loads of like he's sitting on his couch and like he's become really obese and he's got this horrendous um, Barry White beard. <laughs> Um, and he's <laughs> uh, there's there's news reports going on. He's universally condemned, and then he gets a call from his Valley Girl uh, girlfriend, who tells him that he's dumped. And then the two girls behind her are like, "Isn't Patrice Wilson like dead or something? Yeah. Didn't he like um, die? <laughs> he gets du- he gets dumped by this woman, and it's now it's on the news like twenty seconds later." <laughs> 
<laughs> well, watching the TV news. It's what that it's like a, now. Well, yes, yeah, you know, the, the world of news is, is lightning fast. 24-7 breaking entertainment, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go on another rant there. I should Yeah, we'll save that. And then we get to the actual video where we have a definitive turn in tone in what's going on. He basically suddenly becomes God. Like, there's no other way of putting it. Like, he... the So he does a yoga class, but not a lot happens in the yoga class. Yeah. And also, his downward dog is awful. Just, just putting that out there. <laughs> of course you had to critique the yoga. Of course. <laughs> he, he sees a couple argue on the street, and simply by walking past them, they're now suddenly married. Um, he manages to stop arrests with his mere presence, and also the song goes global. Um, do, do you want to talk about the political figure who appears oh, in this video? This, this was incredible. <laughs> So there's clips of there's clips of like people singing the song in in China. There's a very badly green screened version of the Great Wall of China. Uh, various other countries make appearances as well. And then just sat like I think just in a cave somewhere. There's there's a guy who looks like Saddam Hussein <laughs> listening to the song. And he just like fires a gun into the air in celebration. <laughs> It's so bad. And wasn't Saddam Hussein dead at this point? He'd been dead for about seven years. <laughs> so why he felt the need to revive Saddam Hussein for this video. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that. It was oh, so funny. It was so funny. And then the video ends and it turns out it was a dream or it wasn't a dream. And then there's this this guy who's like watching the video in the video, this random fat guy who just then says something and dislikes the video. Is he famous? Is that a famous guy? Is he just... I think it's just a comment on like YouTube commenters, basically. And like the the fact that Patrice has actually done something with his life, whereas like they just sit there eating pizza, like wearing a ruffle shirt, I think he's got on. The rest of this podcast is basically about Patrice. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's he about. My... I never thought I would spend so long researching Patrice Wilson, but he has dominated my life <laughs> since we decided to do this podcast. He is a fascinating figure. It's it's one step forward, two steps back with Patrice because he he's yeah. he's in the know of how people view him, but at the same time, he can't help him but be this weird like demigod figure to these yeah. kids. It's really strange. So we then, I mean, I I wasn't going to include this in this podcast, but it's so good that we have to talk about this. Yeah. Um, It's, it's Good Morning America's One Week to Hit It Big, which is, which was broadcast in 2011. After we saw the viral sensation surrounding the song Friday and what it did for Rebecca Black, we wanted to see if we could make lightning strike twice. Could we find a regular teenager and help turn her into a star and... Could we do it in just one week? Yeah, Wilson basically teams up with ABC and they they hit the road. They go to a mall and they look for the next big pop, supposedly the next big pop star. So we, we'll go through this day by day because there's three days of it. <laughs> this is like a running feature on Good Morning America, which is not, you know, I, I for maybe some of our listeners who, you know, don't live in the States... Good Morning America is huge, right? It is 
a massive show. I, I don't know a great deal about it, but from the, the, the production, what looks like the production in the studio and also it's an yeah. ABC show, it is. And what what annoys me, they start, they've started doing this on Good... Well, they've done it for quite a while on Good Morning Britain as well, which is sort of our American-style uh, morning show over here, is when they get the correspondent to introduce the piece that they're going to be corresponding about anyway over voiceover. So why are they there? <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to feel like this very sort of living, breathing universe almost in a way. Um, mm. Because breakfast, breakfast TV in America is huge. People love it. People go nuts for it. Especially like regional mm. breakfast tv as well because that's not something we really have over here because britain's quite small compared to the us um but these people get like ridiculously famous and good morning america is one of the biggest well it was certainly five or six years ago um definitely when this was around it was one of the biggest show in the shows in the states i can't imagine what the viewing figures mm. must have been like for this so this is probably the most exposure that patrice has ever had <laughs> So it's a a day-by-day search for the next pop star. It runs Mm. over three... Well, it runs over like five days, but they they take it down to a three-day package. So, Jacob, do you want to talk about day one? What Uh, happens on day one? (laughs) Well, they open up by talking about the sort of... um, The rise of the internet in pop. Uh, They talk about uh, Justin Bieber. We see some clips from when he started out on YouTube gross because he's about 11 or something there um and then we cut to this quote-unquote spontaneous audition at the uh at this random (laughs) mall um which i they really pushed the idea that this was spontaneous like every single time they mentioned the auditions they were like oh isn't it strange how these people just turned up and now their lives have changed overnight (laughs) When clearly they'd all been contacted and vetted beforehand, and this probably took a month, like months and months of getting, getting it sorted. Um, they asked the they are because it's all girls. They're they're all searching they're searching for girls because you know no one's going to buy anything by a young boy. They ask them what their favourite colours are, and everyone says purple. My favourite colour is purple. Purple. Um, purple. 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 Red is so two thousand nine. Which I don't know why they included this in the package, but it's just a bit. They're just all Prince fans. <laughs> that really comes through in the music, yeah. The mall is just like on some astroturf. I don't know what, what sort of mall this is, but they're sat in these deck chairs on some astroturf. <laughs> it's such a bizarre setting. Um, it's, it made it look like it was by the seaside, but it was just in New York somewhere. Um, Patrice gets called a mastermind by the host of the segment. He he's looking for somebody quote unquote normal and relatable, and essentially they just host these spontaneous auditions. People come up and they sing sort of karaoke renditions of pop songs. Uh, they get judged by Patrice, his team, and the Good Morning America uh, correspondent. Um, and essentially, they, they is this where they whittle it down to like the final four? So yeah, they get whittled whist- down to the final four, who sound like something out of a, a Roald Dahl novel. So. If I if I I forgot to write down how they were described, but also the descriptions of these girls is thoroughly thoroughly uncomfortable. So we've got Linnea Salt, <laughs> not Veruca Salt, but Linnea Salt. She was the one that was described as glamorous. <laughs> it's so wrong. She's fourteen. She's actually fourteen. <laughs> then we've got Lexi St George. Oh. 
who is the girl next door. That's the worst descript. That is the worst one. Madeline Ralston. I can't remember what her... Was she the one... She was the one with the big voice, I think. Yeah, she was She was a good singer, I think, is how they described her. Yes. So they'd obviously I mean, she wasn't, on... but okay. <laughs> and then the last one... And then one... Samantha Ramirez. Yeah, who was 12. Samantha Ramirez, who is the indie, the indie darling of the, of the, <laughs> of the process, who turns up with her ukulele. Um, so, yeah, those are the four girls. And then we go into day two. And what happens on day two, Jacob? Well, day two, uh, Patrice turns up at the winner of the hat. Uh, they don't reveal who the winner is in the first day. They leave it on a, on a sort of cliffhanger. Then the next day, Patrice turns up at the house of the girl next door, Lexi St. George. So all the auditions, guess who I selected? You? <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. I'm sorry, I'm trying to look at it. Is it tears of joy? Yes! Oh, nice! <laughs> so he knocks, he knocks on the door and he's telling her, like, oh, you're gonna, all your dreams are going to come true. She's obviously crying hilariously. Uh, their dogs don't give a fuck. <laughs> the dogs are just barking really loudly in the background because <laughs> they're thinking, who's this strange man who's come to my house with the camera crew? We get some sort of background on Lexi. We get a bit of archive footage, uh, including her singing Amazing Grace at a talent show and Ghostbusters in a school production. That sounds like the kind of school I want to go to, where they're doing Ghostbusters as their school play. That sounds great. Her version of Ghostbusters was shite. (laughs) Yeah, everything moves really quickly from here. The song's already been written, and they play a version of it to her. Um, it's called. Was it called Dance Dancing to the Rhythm? <laughs> Have I even? I haven't even written down what the song is <laughs> called in my notes. I think it's. I think it's called Dancing to the Rhythm or Dancing to the Rhythm with Me. So they then they then record her singing the song. This is really. I guess this was just added in to like add some drama to the process. But she gets really hung up on this one line where she just has to sing, take a chance. She sings it about 400 times and none of it's any good. So I've, I've lost it recalling this. <laughs> it's like the big drama of this day is that she can't sing this one line and then it's resolved like immediately because she just sings the line. And it's fine. Yeah, because they just go to the dr- they go to the uh, the back like the the just the drums, don't they? I mean if you can call them drums, I don't know what the <laughs> hell they use, but she nails the line, even though if you actually listen to the way Patrice wants it to be sung, she definitely doesn't sing it like that. So uh okay. Day three is uh the bit with the well the song's finished at this point, so they do the video, um, where she has to learn a dance routine. Um I looked up the guy who um does the who is the choreographer J R Taylor and he used to be Jennifer Lopez's choreographer so he's actually a pretty big deal that they've got for this weird segment <laughs> Just... for Good Morning America oh I love the entertainment industry and my favourite um secondary character in this entire <laughs> story it's not the one who you think it is he's also good but I really liked. Because they get um they get Lexi to have a makeover and yes the guy do you remember 
Do you remember Christoph, the stylist? <laughs> Christoph! <laughs> Who just looks like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. Now, a big piece falling off. Don't freak out, because it's... Don't this, freak out? This... She's such a knob to Christoph. <laughs> yeah, she's really horrible. And Christoph's really nice. <laughs> and then, And then I think the bit that you were laughing at is... A crew member whose name I didn't catch originally, but it's in your notes. Do you want to talk about, is this Joe Nathan? I have here my crew, Ian and Chris, and Joe Nathan. <laughs> he doesn't really say anything, but just the fact his name isn't just Jonathan, <laughs> like, just made me laugh. Is he not the one who has a go at Patrice? Um... Because somebody, there's a bit outside the... um the studio where Patrice is talking and then one of them, it might be Joe Nathan, starts doing his verse from Friday. And I would just like to add, um, so chilling in the front seat. In, in the, the back, back seat. seat. I'm driving, driving cruising, cruising, fast lanes, lane, switching lanes, lanes. When a car pop us up. Woo! Was that Joe That's Nathan? That's another one of the guys. Oh, okay. So I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. So yeah, thanks to the help of Christoph and Joe Nathan. <laughs> Joe Nathan. <laughs> They uh they get this they get this video done. She gets a makeover. It's really really uncomfortable because she's fourteen. Uh, I I just hate it. I hated it so much. And yeah, they filmed the video to this song, and that's it. Apparently, this took place over a week. I'm not sure that actually happened because surely she would have had to have gone to school at some point in this week. Uh, let her off. Fame fame <laughs> waits for no one. But yeah, you know, as a sort of light entertainment piece on a breakfast television program. I thought this was all right, apart from the fact it made me feel uncomfortable every time I saw her. I mean, I just think it's absolutely horrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, this, I was I was thoroughly entertained, but yeah, I thought it was just horrible to watch. Um, yeah. do you, and you know what? Like, uh, Along with the, our listeners now, I'm going to need a reminder of the song itself because I literally yeah. cannot remember how it goes. <laughs> So that was that was the song. Uh, what the hell is it called again, Jacob? <laughs> Dancing to the rhythm. Dancing to the rhythm. I've made three notes for the video. Do you want to hear them? Yes, please do. Okay. One of the no- these, these first two are all in caps. The first note is they are so young. The second note is <laughs> I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> and the third note, which is in uh, is in normal normal case. The song is fine. I wrote down that the song is really boring, and that probably was an indication that it is fine. Like it's passable, whatever. It, it, it's not offensive. It's not Friday. The the build up is so much better than the actual song. Like I yeah. I just loved. I mean, I loved and hated watching the three days of of the build up. Yeah. Um. And then it's so great that the song itself as a video is in full on YouTube as well to have a look at. So that that is it for um, Lexi and Rebecca. So now we're going to do a whistle stop tour of the rest of the cast of art music, PMW and just other noteworthy things that we found. I mean, it's been a far too positive story up to this point, hasn't it? So let's look at some of the other songs, videos and fuckery (laughs) in the art music archive. Um, and absolutely ripped them to shreds. Starting with just... <laughs> j- j- oh. This is my favourite one. So offensive. Just so <laughs> offensive. We're, we're going to p- play you probably an extended clip of uh, Alison Gold's Chinese food. I love Chinese food. 
Chinese food, the follow-up to Alison and Stacey's Skip Rope and her solo ABCDEFG. Um, <laughs> I can't original. believe that's the name of a song. <laughs> ABCDEFG. I've not heard that one, but I, I can only imagine. I did. I listened to it once and it was just her repeating the alphabet. So oh, I decided God. not to go any further with it. Um, for God's sake. So the, the video, the video to Chinese food, we begin. We are in a uh, supposedly Chinese restaurant. Actually, if you look it up, it's a Mongolian restaurant. <laughs> um, just one of the many, many problems with this video. There's a Chinese chef talking in Mandarin and making noodles. Well, <laughs> oh dear. I think we've got across the, uh, the the subtlety of this video quite well in an audio format. Uh, we get ver- a variety of language subtitles uh, as Alison begins to sing about being hungry, um, which to me totally defeats the purpose of having subtitles because they're not one yeah, set thought, of subtitles. I I thought the the maybe it was just the version of the video I was watching that that had the subtitles on as like a, someone had ripped it from somewhere. But no, it's part of the actual video to have these different languages subtitled. It's so bizarre. What a bizarre choice. As they say in the media industry, they are burnt in uh, <laughs> to, to the product. And they're also burning my eyes. <laughs> so then we get to the chorus. Uh, <laughs> and Alison informs us um, she loves fried rice. She loves noodles. She loves chow, main, main. <laughs> that's so. That's repeated so often in the song. That chorus comes up so many times. When you get your Chinese as well, when have there ever yeah. been broccoli included yes. in the Chinese? Yes, because I put because one of the lines is about broccoli and chicken wings. They got broccoli. Even chicken wings, make it spicy. I'm not good examples. chicken wings, <laughs> nice and spicy. <laughs> when I've, nice yeah, I've spicy. never, I've never had broccoli or chicken wings in a in a Chinese restaurant. I've never had either of those things. As we'll find out, Patrice's interpretation of Chinese food is <laughs> perhaps a tad off the mark. Um, <laughs> She, she consumes her, her broccoli and chicken wings. Um, and then she's, of course, in, I mean, this, to be fair enough, is a fairly ac- accurate representation. She's given a fortune cookie uh, in the Chinese restaurant and it tells her she'll find a new friend. And bam! Behind her, out of its natural habitat and seemingly no longer endangered, it's a panda. Or <laughs> it's actually Patrice Wilson himself again. Oh, uh, he's back. He... <laughs> Of course he's back. Oh, such a weird man. <laughs> the, the, the best part about this reveal, because Patrice is in the panda costume, is that he takes the panda head off, but only after like he's made friends with this girl. So he's just now in the video, a man in a panda costume, sitting in a teenage girl's bedroom, surrounded <laughs> by other teenage girls. That's every parent's nightmare. <laughs> Once again, you're not ex- ex- totally saying anything. You're just no, I'm making not, I'm a saying fair just comment. In, in the context of the video, Patrice looks like a wrong'un, is all, I'm, is all <laughs> I'm saying. In person, I'm sure he's not a wrong'un. Speaking of Patrice as a wrong'un, he then raps in a, <laughs> in a slightly dodgy accent, a.k.a. like an offensive Asian stereotype accent. Yeah, you, you put slightly in your notes. It's not slight in... in 
any way, shape, or form. And then, uh, you know, on the Monopoly board, you've got, you know, quite a few, uh, quite a few uh, uh, trinkets to choose as your, you know, uh, counter to go around the board with. And what does he choose in the Chinese food video? Of course, it's a dog, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's playing Monopoly with these children. And he, he picks the dog and he puts it on Oriental Avenue. Jeez. And cut back to the restaurant and we've got geisha girls who are, of course, a cat classic symbol of Japan. Yeah, this video, it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes on. More and more offensive. So uh, Patrice had to defend himself, understandably. <laughs> So he said on Chinese food, and it, he seems to, he must go to a very specific Chinese restaurant because he says, there's a restaurant I go to. They have chicken wings. They have beef with broccoli. That's what I love. The song is based on my experience. What I know about Chinese food, which, I mean, if it, if he just said that in like a friendship group, you'd be like, okay, I kind of understand your position a little bit more. But yeah. it's, a, it's now a public record. <laughs> Like, I don't know what the Chinese restaurants are like in America. I've been to one Chinese restaurant in America, but it was, you know, fairly authentic. And I, did, I, I didn't see any beef with broccoli. I didn't see any chicken wings. This was a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown in San Francisco, which is re- <laughs> renowned for being quite a good indicator of, like, Chinese culture and Chinese food. Mm. There was not, there was no beef nor broccoli to be seen. And then obviously Patrice had to talk about the geisha. I must say it is geisha, geisha, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I've always heard it as geisha. Yeah. Um, he he did have to comment on the geisha girl uh, controversy as well. So he said, "Yes, I know geishas are Japanese, but you can find Chinese restaurants in Japan." <laughs> <laughs> People say I'm squinting. Well, okay, I have small eyes. <laughs> All this controversy, I didn't even think about it. The pissed off people saying I'm racist. The last person who wants to be racist is me. (laughs) And who says those sort of things? Yeah. He's tried to defend himself and he's just made it a million times worse. I mean, yeah, the comment, well, okay, I have small eyes, is awful. (laughs) My favourite line, I think, is... um... I know geishas are Japanese, but you can find Chinese restaurants in Japan. What's wrong with that? <laughs> By that logic, you can have a bloody Cossack dance through. Oh. <laughs> so, just, that's ridiculous. Uh, he, he, he fucked up. Like, he fucked up. Yeah. Like, he's fucked up before, but, like, in terms of, like, uh, serious controversy, like, he's majorly fucked up here. Yeah, this one's real bad. And I'm not. I'm. I'm laughing, but I. I know it's bad. I know it's offensive. I'm only laughing because my brain doesn't know what to do. And this is just completely. This is. He has gone insane. By this point, this is <laughs> the most ill-judged, ill-conceived thing. That I just don't know where he got it from, in his brain. It's ridiculous. And then the video ends. Possibly my favourite part of the video is right at the end when Patrice puts the panda head back on, throws a horribly superimposed fortune cookie at Alison Gold. He then flies out of the house on a rainbow and then Alison opens the cookie and the cookie says, the panda will fly away on a rainbow. 
But Patrice, you wrote that. You knew what you were going to do. It's one of those brilliant moments where something ends on a really weird note and you're like, you know what? I'm kind of glad that ended on a weird note because the rest of it was so weird. I would have felt robbed had it ended normally. It was the perfect ending to this utterly, utterly offensive video. I mean, I I just, I want to say thank you and oh my goodness to Patrice for producing this. As as we know, Jacob, uh, there's there's a thesis I've been peddling with you uh, Mm. for for a long time uh, and it it surrounds uh, bad examples of Orientalism in pop. So I thought, why not link my own uh, ridiculous thesis to uh, Chinese food? So I've I've got for you here uh, three examples of bad Orientalism in pop to further buttress my argument on this whole uh, situation. And we're going to start off with um, a man from uh, I think would be fair to say uh, certainly me and I think your favourite band, yeah, um, the Beatles. Um, and in I think 1987, uh, George Harrison provided the title track to a terribly reviewed uh, film with Madonna in it. Mm. Um, called Shanghai Surprise. So let's listen to this um, terrible synth-led song now. I'm finding out the surprise Evil-looking dudes is Getting hot for me like So full when it flies Shanghai Surprise So Shanghai Surprise, Jacob. Now, you previously said you like this song, so uh, I'm I'm just going to ask you to try and extrapolate (laughs) on that. Well, I was listening through to the... Because it was included in... I think it was either a sort of special edition or a bonus track on George Harrison's uh, Cloud Nine album, Mm. uh, which I was listening to. Um, And it came up. And I don't know whether it was because the the rest of that album is fairly mediocre um, or whether it was just quite different, but it sounded... I remember at the time enjoying it, um, but upon reflection, upon review, um, it does not hold up very, very well, <laughs> especially with some of the lyrics. Um, you know, I, I spoke earlier about not liking metaphors in songs. This is probably mm. one of the worst examples of that because he really beats you over the head with the whole, this film set in China sort of uh vibe in the song there's so many references shall i shall i go through some of the lyrics now would you like to take some take take us through the horror okay the horror um the opening well i don't know is this the opening line or is the first line in our notes which says my straits are dire from the walk into the fire so it's already the next line is i'd like to trust you but i've broken my rickshaw <laughs> Which doesn't mean... Is that supposed to rhyme? <laughs> Fire and rickshaw. <laughs> he then talks about uh, chasing opium. Um, is this... I don't know. Is this line, I'd like to love you, but I'm not sure what's in your eyes. Is that a stereotype thing? about? I'm Asian going to say... Eyes... I'm going to say it is because in the next song we're going to do, there's also a line about eyes. Um, so yeah. uh, big up, big up George Harrison, who was supposedly the, you know, the most lefty. Well, I suppose Lennon as well, the most lefty spiritualist of the Beatles for, uh, for, for, uh, for recording this song. Um, and what, what's the other verse we've got here as well? Oh, this has got my favorite line in it. Um, 
which is uh he talks about being pursued by evil looking dudes and then the, the which is this is one of my favorite lines in maybe in music ever he says it's getting hot for me like tofu when it deep fries oh shanghai surprise do you do you deep fry tofu is that you, how you, you do can, it? You can deep fry tofu, yeah. I just love that, because obviously, I assume George was a vegetarian at this point. And he was like, well, we can't have meat in the song. We've, we've got to have tofu. I mean, there is a line about swinging a cat, which is like animal <laughs> yeah. cruelty, so. Yeah. Backstreet's so crowded that no room to swing a cat, which is a phrase, to be fair. <laughs> no room to swing a cat. <laughs> but yeah, no, on reflection, I, res- I rescind my statement of last year. When I said I like this song, uh, I don't think I do anymore. I'd rather listen to another. I'd rather listen to something else by Harrison. Just anything off of All Things Must Pass. I'll take. That. Yes, the best one. Speaking of awesome albums, we are now going to talk about a song from what is actually my favourite album by a female artist ever. This is the only blot on it, really. This uh, this is from the I Feel for You album by Shaka Khan, uh, which of course has the Prince written classic song I Feel for You on it. Um, and this is the last. Why they included this, I do not know, because it is it's faultless up to this point. Um, this is um, Chinatown. So, Jacob, did you experience those uh, those sort of things when you uh, went to Chinatown in San Francisco? All of them, in fact. Every single... It's, it's almost as if this was written based on my experiences. The song starts with Ying Yang. <laughs> Which is... Is that Chinese? I, feel it... I thought that was a Japanese thing. Or am I being ignorant? I, I don't even want to look that up. I no. don't... I don't... <laughs> Either a way. feeling's evolving through me. Sweet and sour is the taste you bring. Uh, that's more accurate representation of Chinese food than the entire song, Chinese food. <laughs> At least it wasn't... Beef and broccoli is the taste you bring me. Chinatown, I don't know how to read you. Upside down, the signs will all mislead you. <laughs> well, yeah, because they'll be in a different language. And then once again, we've got the so much smoke I can't get through to you, eyes that I can't see. Now, that That's... one maybe is a bit more about the smoke. Mm, but equally, eyes that I can't <laughs> see. Yeah. With the with the context of... of... The Orientalism here is... I mean, when when did this come out? The Was it the early 80s, late 70s? This is 80... Oh, I want to say 6. Oh, I might okay. be wrong. Let, so, me, yeah. let me get the old I, phone up. Okay. I don't think anybody was um, too, like, on it with cultural insensitivities at this point. Um, but eyes oh, it's that 84. I can't see. 84, okay. Eyes that I can't see yeah. in a line in a song called Chinatown. Is a poor, poor choice of lyric. Mm. And then <laughs> some crazy Fu Manchu. Uh, and it feels so wrong, 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 wrong. It's not, I can see why, yeah, I've not heard the rest of the album, but I can see why you didn't like this. Yes, I mean, the rest of the album is faultless uh, and wonderfully <laughs> produced by Millie Mel of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. But um, let me not get too geeky. Um, no, no, and that's too, it's too good as well. We're now going to talk about the worst thing in this whole podcast. <laughs> if you thought everything else you'd heard up until this point was bad, <laughs> this is just... 
I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Right, just bear this in mind. This song was released two years ago. Um, what you're about to hear um, is obviously not as bad a song as Rebecca Black's Friday, but um, is the most insensitive thing we we're we're going to talk about on the podcast. This is "Happy Ending" by the rapper Hopson, uh, released in October of 2017. Jacob, you caught up with this today. Yeah, this was. I, I how, only had time to listen to this today. How did you get on with it? Oh my! Well, you heard my live reactions to mm. uh, "Happy Ending" by Hopson. Jesus, it is a whole new level of offensive. How did they get away with this? It, it, everything from the 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 accent to. The, the content itself to the whole sort of negative stereotype of Asian massages just being a cover-up for prostitution. The, the line where he rhymes the word butt crack with, with nutsack. <laughs> it's just so bad. It's... I, I it's, Yeah, I don't even know what to say. I think to fully experience this, you have to go and find the video and watch it. Um, but my God, this is dreadful. I'd like to give a shout out here to Anthony Fantano, who um, uh, is the needle drop on YouTube, who is just an amazing, amazing music critic. Um, and he, he he rated Hopsin's uh, Happy Ending as the, his worst song of 2017. So that's how it came into my uh, into my knowledge. I did wonder where you came across this. I, I am going to read out some lyrics. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to do an accent because that's <laughs> awful. Um, I think. I mean, I've, re- I've written quite a few lyrics down, but I. I, li- I The second. The second verse I've got written down. I literally don't think I can say. So I'm just going to say the first verse. So it's yeah. the start of the song, uh, and this is all in a faux Asian accent. So that's worth remembering. Yeah. Hello, how you doing? I can give you good massage. I could be your every ting. You give me 50 bucks. If you if you know say nothing, I give you a sucky sucky. <laughs> if you give me more money, I give you do I give you something lucky. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just just not good, is it? Um, and the rest of the song is just work gets worse and worse. There's, there's more like male posturing from Hopsin as well. Yeah. Um, he describes his dick as a monster. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's oh, why, how? I mean, it's so many questions. Um, I I don't know if this is meant to be some sort of parody or not because it it's so ridiculous and so over the top. But. And the video is so well made. So there's obviously a lot of money has gone into this. I I, I it, think it's uh, it's just I think it's just uh, what do they call it? I think it's just a clickbait thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That was my thesis. That that is what I will one day do a doctorate on. Uh, Orientalism in pop, as I've called it. If um, any um, university administrators are listening, uh, and they want to fund that, then <laughs> I think we would welcome that here at Bad Things. That would be if some if I just got fifteen k into my account and then <laughs> yeah then I'll just go ahead and do it. Going back to gold, uh, just to gold, she doesn't deserve that. 
Um, no, the poor girl. She she went on to perform the song Shush Up in 2014, where the video is so dodgy and disturbing, um, because considering she's like 13 at that point, oh. um, that I actually do, I, I don't want to talk about it any further. I mean, if you want to seek it out far away, it's called Shush Up. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's set in a prison. It's horrible. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, you know, thank you to Alison Gold for providing, <laughs> providing Chinese <laughs> food for us and all its broccoli and stuff. Um, and the uh. other one I want to talk about in full is um, Nicole Westbrook's It's Thanksgiving, my favourite of the ARC music canon. Um <laughs> And we'll begin by playing uh, the lyric-heavy opening to this song. Jacob, oh, 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 yeah, oh, 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 all right, come on, is the opening to this song. This is fun, 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 fun levels of bad lyrics. I, I always send this to my American friends at Thanksgiving just because... Well, obviously Thanksgiving <laughs> is a pretty dodgy holiday at the best of times, but uh, I like to make it uh, increasingly uh, increasingly dodgy for them. Uh, what, what, how, how do you sum this one up? Because, um, you know, I've, I've heard this about ten times, so it'll be good just for, for years of listening to it. So it'd be good to hear what a fresh perspective is on this. Um, I, it's another classic example of art music and Patrice Wilson writing a song about something so menial and so like, I get what they're trying to go for between this and Chinese food and Friday. They want to like appeal to the mass audience. They want to, you know, write about stuff that everybody experiences, but they don't do it in a, in a clever way. They don't do it in a sort of Bruce Springsteen every man let's relate to this kind of way they just do it in the most bare bones basic primary school level writing way <laughs> to the point where one of the verses is just patrice wilson who of course makes an appearance in this video just running down a list of holidays and the months they are in abysmal i mean i love this i just have memories i just have a lot of memories of being in the states and like talk like discussing this with people and stuff like that so that i think that's why it's probably one of my favorites and of, of course patrice is here as a turkey as well um because he couldn't possibly uh just appear uh, without doing something bizarre yep. um do, do you prefer patrice as a turkey or a panda <laughs> i think uh I think a turkey is less offensive, so I'd have to go with yes. the turkey. But a panda's probably funnier, mm. just because he doesn't end this video by flying off into the sky on a rainbow. And um, the, the the way they pronounce turkey as well in this video is very strange. It's like choky. But what is yeah, that? I don't know what I don't know. I... <laughs> I've I've stopped questioning things at this point, Nathan. Maybe maybe we should ask our American friends uh, what what ch why why are they saying chokey rather than turkey? Yeah. 
Maybe it means something else. Maybe we're just just horrifically ignorant. I feel like out of all the people in this podcast who are horrifically ignorant, I don't think we're we're near the top. <laughs> Not to toot our own horn, but uh... and then uh, near the end of the video, uh, Nicole Westbrook, our fave, um, uh, sings with the turkey leg. Uh, she picks up a turkey leg that she's cooked in the oven and she starts singing with it as a microphone. Um, as a vegetarian, does that make your blood boil? Oh, I'm furious. Why couldn't she have just moulded the mashed potato into the shape of a microphone and sung that instead? Or got a bit of nice deep fried tofu like George. I heard that Joe Nathan wasn't available to mash the uh, potato <laughs> into a particular shape that day. So it didn't happen. <laughs> Uh, can we reach out to Joe Nathan and can we can we try and get him on the show at some point the whole podcast would just be me saying so your name's Jonathan <laughs> and he'll be like no it's Joe Nathan I have great great memories of this song I don't know what your like what your takeaway is what <laughs> takeaway <laughs> uh, from <laughs> this is um, uh, but it's my favourite um, it's my favourite the whole arc canon I think Chinese food is still my favourite but this is up there. This is real bad. I, lo- I looked for Nicole Westbrook and I couldn't see uh, what she's up to oh. now, which is very disappointing. I'm sure, uh, like many of the girls, she uh, has, has, has seriously questioned um, what may have been going on in her and her guardian slash parents' heads um, yeah. at the time of making the video. Um, just before we say bye on the podcast, there's a few brief others I want to mention. Uh, the first one being Lexi Sullivan's Hot Stuff. Hot Stuff! Essentially, the premise of the song, the video, is uh, Lexi Sullivan ripping the shit out of this guy who doesn't look too dissimilar, to be honest, from a 10-year-old me. I'm not going to lie. First of all, like, she has, like, she's obviously going through puberty and this guy hasn't started. So that's really awkward to start off with. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. I hate it so much. Uh, Yeah, within the first 30 seconds of the video, he's kissed his non-existent guns because, he, you know, there's not... He he is yet to have a, a, the influx of testosterone required to build muscle, so um, that hasn't when did happened. You, uh, when did you get your influx of testosterone to build muscle? I mean, obviously I was late because I'm an absolute freak. Um, <laughs> so I, I I think 14 probably. I don't know about. I mean, you're you're a hairy man, so I'm assuming yours was at 11 years old or something. Thank you for disclosing that. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I yeah. think I hit puberty at like a normal quote-unquote normal age and yeah. Uh, yeah no i am i am also a freak but for very different reasons you're just a freak because of the amount of hair on your body maybe we should go to that uh, asian massage parlor and see if they do a uh, brazilian the other one i want to mention is uh because she's a brit Woo. and just in case you didn't know that ellie sufi was british in the video for this um it starts off with they obviously hired an actress to play the queen who looks about 30 years or maybe more younger than the queen. <laughs> she asked Wills to put on a different channel for her. Yeah. Um, and it turns out to be Ellie Sufi's video. William, would you change the channel for me? Oh, what is this? And um, she, she goes to an American high school, uh, but she's got a Union Jack bag. Um, so yeah, doing it for the Brits over there on the other side of the pond. It's what you like to see. Once again, I, the boy in this video was massively, oh God, I don't even know what term to use anymore. Just underdeveloped compared <laughs> to Ellie Sufi. Underdeveloped. 
Makes it sound like he's ill. He wasn't ill, he was just ten. <laughs> so... <laughs> As a nice way to round off this story, we I think I now can confirm, uh, as of recording this podcast, I mean, I'm sure this will change when he's got no money, but Patrice has now given up on the music industry game. Um, he announced that MS Replay Rewind, which is a video or song I didn't watch or listen to, uh, would be his last appearance. So he has not done anything since that. Um, and I think that was last year. So he was still knocking about in 2018. <laughs> I just want there are, you know there are certain people in culture who I would give endless amounts of money to see into their mind. Tommy Wiseau is one of them. Uh Carl Pilkington is another one. And I think Patrice Wilson has now joined that list of people I just mm-hmm. can't understand. I just don't get how their brains function. At least uh, with Patrice compared to Tommy Wiseau we actually know where he's from. <laughs> uh so that's always a bonus. Yeah, Wizzo is obviously the ultimate example of a completely mythical human being, but Patrice is definitely up there. So after two and a half hours of recording time <laughs> uh, with some some stoppages, we have reached the end of our exploration of Arc Music Factory. So Jacob, uh, just give me a brief recap or conclusion on your thoughts on this whole saga. How are you feeling? I think we picked a real doozy to start with because everything about this company from the the content of the songs to the the videos to the whole ethos of exploiting these very young very naive obviously very wealthy children for for not even that much financial gain from the sounds of it if they're only charging 2 to 4 grand a go it's just completely baffling that they got away with it for so long and you know, I think without the success of well, success of Friday and Rebecca Black, I don't think this company would have would have gone on to do half the things that they've done now. I think they really lucked out with uh, with Rebecca Black and Friday. And they don't even have rights to the master recording, so like they're yeah. not like making anything off that as well. <laughs> no, no wonder it went out of business. So, and no wonder they're using their website to sell shoes now. <laughs> the UGG boots, <laughs> Wang Fang and his UGG boots. The overwhelming thing for me was just how young all the kids are and just how disturbed I felt throughout the the whole thing. Just watching these just clearly prepubescent children pretend to be adults. There's two things for me I'm going to take away from this. One is children cannot and should not exist in an adult world whether that be within the music video or outside the music video. If if I was a politician, I would probably put a ban on any child being able to sign a record contract or uh, record a, an official music video until they were like 16 years old. And the other thing I take away from this is how, um, how much culture has changed over the last decade. We're coming to the yeah. end now. Um and there's just things throughout this whole thing, um, especially in regards to the uh, ABC news report, that you just could not get away with doing anymore. You can't call a 13-year-old girl the girl next door or glamorous. It's it's not acceptable. <laughs> it shouldn't be acceptable either. And last of all, I'd, just, I'd love to say thanks to all the people involved in this for giving us this. I mean, you know, we've, we've ripped it to shreds, but at the end of the day, it's been thoroughly entertaining. So particular, particular thanks go to Rebecca and uh, Patrice for providing the bulk of this episode. <laughs> um, and then 
uh, <laughs> then obviously, uh, you know, Lexus at George, um, Alison Gold, and all the other all the other characters. Thank you for destroying your own lives so that we can critique them. <laughs> <laughs> and a, another thing I've just picked up on is there are no male artists that we've covered today. It's all been young girls. So what that says about mm. the culture surrounding young girls and, you know, how they feel like they have to be these sort of piss- pristine pop princesses it, it is quite disturbing in a way. And hopefully any sort of sensible-minded parent would just say no and just would not let their child get themselves into this because it's just bad news all round. Yeah, I, I don't know whether the, the focus on girls is uh, Patrice's... Oh my! I don't want to say the word preference. No, you, I know what you're, um, what you're trying to say. Is, he obviously thinks that he can make more money marketing this. I don't want. It, it all sounds so wrong when you say it out loud. I don't know. Maybe it was just because Rebecca Black hit it so big that he thought, "Oh, the only way to do it is with with women rather than men." But I don't know. And he, I, he may in his own warped mind, because ov- he obviously has like a considerable ego. Oh yeah. He may have thought in his own warped mind. Well, you know, the male market is taken up by Bieber, which it totally was at this mm. point. I'm going to have to focus on um, the female side of things. That's a good point. Um, but uh, I've just, I. I just have a, a, a number of positive and negative emotions about this whole <laughs> process. Um, but after an epic recording session, that is a wrap from us on this pilot episode of the Bad Things podcast. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this jaunt through the Arc Music Factory slash PNW Live archives. And we would love, as this is the pilot episode, we'd love to know your suggestions about what we might review next. Have you got a particular film, album or TV show you think might be worth dissecting? No, we will not be doing The Room. It has been done to death. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, if you do want to watch a good review of The Room... Uh, there's a group of re- reviewers called OSW Review who normally actually do pro wrestling reviews. They've done a tremendous uh, dissection of the room. Um, if you did uh, feel like you needed to get your your fix on that, or just watch it, <laughs> like that's all you need with the room. So yeah, let us know your comments and suggestions. Um, and you know, just like the chord progressions, lyrical content, and cinematography of Patrice Wilson himself, we're very much a work in progress. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for sitting through this with me. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been a real blast. Oh, my goodness. We will be back with what will hopefully be a slightly shorter <laughs> episode uh, next time. But we, we had to cover it all. We had to cover it all. Um, so it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from Jacob. Bye-bye. Farewell, culture lovers. See you next time. <laughs>